Disrupting Japan, Episode 6. Welcome to Disrupting Japan, straight talk from Japan's most successful entrepreneurs. I'm Tim Romero, and thanks for joining me. Today we sit down with Tadashi Tanimoto of Realcom, a knowledge management platform that he founded in the depths of the 2000.com bust and that he grew steadily until he IPO'd it in 2007. Tadashi now devotes a lot of his time to his new firm, 10X, which focuses not only as his personal investment arm, but also educating and mentoring Japan's up and coming generation of entrepreneurs. Now, Tadashi has been deeply focused on changing the way people and groups interact with each other and share information. And that's something that I grant you sounds like thousands of mission statements from so many companies around the world. But he really walks his talk, and that'll be obvious as the interview progresses. We'll talk not only about the importance and methodology behind effective information sharing, but we'll talk about the key differences in the way people communicate in San Francisco and Tokyo. A bit about what's driving the recent spike in MA activity here in Japan, and why international experience is really important for any startup founder, even if they think they only want to be focused on the domestic market, and about why American companies actually make better customers for startups. It's really a fascinating interview, and I think you'll enjoy it. So here we go. We're sitting here with Tadashi Tanamoto of Realcom. And 10X. And Realcom in Japan is by far the leading knowledge management solution here. You've got more than 150 really large Japanese customers using it. And before we get started, can you tell me a little bit about what Realcom does, what knowledge management is, and what it means in Japan? By knowledge management, what I try to achieve is to create The knowledge community within or across the organization.、Uh, maybe、uh, the easiest way to imagine the, what we do is you can say our software as a Facebook for intranet. Okay. Yes. So, in other words,、uh, when we say knowledge, sometimes people are just talking about text or such, but、uh, I'm more interested in the interaction between people. So, Your solution, so knowledge management is, in the academic sense, it's very rigorous computer science approach.、Uh, Japanese companies' executives are famously difficult to try to get them to define exactly what they need and exactly what the requirements are.、Mm-hmm. So, how did you take this very academic knowledge management approach and make it work in a Japanese companies where requirements are so great? And so vague.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's a very interesting point. So, in our、uh, setting process to the, say, corporate executives,、uh, we、uh, always get that kind of a question. In other words,、uh, we try to first convince those people about the benefit, the real benefit of the knowledge management. Then, if those people are interested, we will explain how to make it. But still, When I say、uh, knowledge community, that is in a way c h a n g e the employees' behavior in terms of、uh, sharing information or communication or sharing knowledge. So, so how, it, what, how does it change it? In what ways yeah, yeah. did. 
what we are trying to provide is not a software, but a tool to change the culture of the organization. So uh, it's very difficult to prove how you can change the culture. So now we will start with a uh, trial project. Maybe pick one small organization, say 50 people or 100 people, who could be the first user for that system. And then maybe we try three to six months uh, okay. with our consulting help. And then, uh, like uh, seeing this behaving, if you or management of the company see some good result, they are excited and try to expand that uh, uh, knowledge management into the uh, entire organization. So, so have some of the big, have you had some big successes? Are, are these companies actually, are employees actually being more willing to share information um, internally? Is yes. it working? <laughs> yes, uh, I think, you know, uh, in many cases, or most of the cases, we will see a very good success. Uh, for example, uh, one of our clients is construction management consulting company, mm-hmm. uh, analyzing uh, some structure of the okay. soil or some simulation if the earthquakes happened and what kind of uh, architecture should be applied that uh, specific ground, that kind of thing. So uh, that kind of consulting firm was regarded as just a group of independent consultants, not as a team of uh, uh, people. Okay. So everybody has a very high skill and uh, actually doesn't think uh, he needs to share any knowledge or information with other consultants uh, because he thinks he knows everything. Right. And sometimes, you know, uh, by sharing the knowledge, it's uh, losing your the, the competency within the organization. Right, right. So the vice president uh, was not, uh, uh, did not believe that is happening in their organization, but the president believed uh, it would be something that could be happening. And then uh, we uh, set up that software and tried to make uh, some knowledge sharing community across the region. Interesting thing was, it was, I forgot, about six or no, 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 eight or nine years ago. Uh, unfortunately or fortunately, uh, we had earthquake right. in Hokkaido. Uh, not the big oh, one. Oh, okay. uh, the, the, before then, uh, we have a kind of a big earthquake in Hokkaido and uh, four or five months later uh, we got another earthquake in uh, Ishikawa area Niigata area they did a trial to share the knowledge they got in the Hokkaido earthquake to apply to the uh, Niigata earthquake and then that did work very very well Really, and that changed everybody's thinking Oh, when we uh, apply the system Everybody was skeptical, but uh, after even a small success, they think, oh, this could be working for us. So was it the disaster making people want to pull together for one time, or is this an ongoing behavior that from now on people are becoming more cooperative and sharing information? Yeah, so once they give in the benefit of that kind of a sharing, they keep, they doing, keep it. doing it. That's fantastic. It's... it's incredibly ambitious. I mean, you are fighting against a very deep-rooted Japanese business culture. Right, right, right. Which is not really open to sharing. Right, right, right. Do you see that changing inside Japanese culture as a whole? Are are people becoming, are Japanese companies becoming more open to sharing information and working across divisions? 
Okay, honestly speaking, uh, you just said that we have about uh, 150 customers, and uh, uh, not necessarily all 150 is a success case. Okay. We have some failure case, well, of course. Of course. I think the most critical success factor is a leadership of the top management. Okay. And then because uh, that kind of knowledge sharing will never happen if the middle management will be cooperative. Because uh, especially, I, I think that will be happening in a large organization. I think that's a really interesting point because if you look at a lot of data analytics programs, mm -hmm. if you look at a lot of the more modern sort of uh, gamification, mm -hmm. a lot of them provide value for the 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 C level, the top leadership, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but the the people who have to do the work and have to really share don't see benefits from it, so they don't they don't tend to succeed. Well, what is Realcom doing differently to get that buy-in oh, yeah, from that's middle a, managers? That's an interesting point. Uh, specifically speaking, uh, yeah, but through knowledge management, of course, the C-level will get the benefit, and also the people in the bottom of the organization. The people who are skeptical or try to avoid or uh, disturb that kind of community is middle management. Because in many okay. cases, their job is just transfer the information so from the, your, boy, uh, your guys to your boss. So they can't be just a gatekeeper anymore. Right. So they have, have to add value. Add value. Oh, I see. I so, see. Uh, so in other words, uh, through that system, top management get uh, real information uh, from the people. And the, the uh, experts and workers get uh, recognition uh, for being experts yes. and workers. I see. And uh, uh, you can easily find out the uh, middle management who does not add value on those activities. Well, I can see why middle management would not be too happy about that. Right, right, right. That's, that's really That makes a whole lot of sense. Mm -hmm. But listen, one thing I have to ask you, you, you started Realcom in 2000, right? right. So it, it sounds like you were starting a company with a very very difficult goal mm -hmm. of trying to make transparency, right. you know, introduce transparency into Japanese mm -hmm. organizations. Mm -hmm. You were starting at one of the most difficult times right. to start a company, right. right after the, right in the middle of the dot-com crash. Right, right, right. Um, most startups at that time were failing, falling over like crazy. Right, right. So what did you do to keep the company going, to, uh -huh. to make a success in such a difficult time with such a difficult product? Actually, we did not have a very difficult time to promote that concept. Okay. Yeah, it was, I think the concept itself was very, very attractive at that time to Japanese companies. Huh. And then let me, let me say back to uh, the origin of my idea. Why Please, I that's great. Come, come up with that idea. Actually, uh, before starting Realcom, I spent six years in the Silicon Valley doing a consulting, uh, like uh, matchmakers mm -hmm. between uh, startup companies in Silicon Valley and large corporations in uh, uh, Japan and Eastern Asia companies. Okay. Like uh, introduce new technology, uh, Silicon Valley's new technology to large corporations. And then in, in return for that, uh, those startup companies might uh, get a capital investment or some subsidization for the uh, product, product or technology development. Right. That is what I did. And then I was very attracted uh, by the dynamism or culture of Silicon Valley itself. 
Okay. Right, like what, what aspects of it? What part of it? Uh, for example, uh, there are many kind of gathering events in right. Silicon Valley. Yeah. Uh, formal or informal. Like, uh, what I found interesting was uh, when you meet with somebody, uh, you introduce, of course, yourself and maybe exchange business card. And in many cases, you get uh, somebody from the Oracle or Intel or kind of large corporations. Right. What they talk is, okay, I understand you're an Intel guy, but what is your goal for your life? Or what you are, are you interested in? Or what you can do? Uh, that kind of a communication. So just very open and frank open and, and uh, personal. Personal. Yeah. So then, uh, you know, it, it's kind of too extreme to say, but uh, nobody cares about uh, what company you are working for, but everybody care about what you actually do or what you can do. Well, I think that's, yeah, I think that makes sense, especially in America, right. where people don't tend to work for the same company that long. Right, right, right. Particularly compared to Japan. Right. So through those kind of communication or gathering, as you know, the many like, the new projects start, and um, some of those projects become uh, ventures, right. and they get an investment, and then... Ended up with uh, like a huge company like a Google. So yeah. That kind of a dynamism, I was very interested. So that time I think, oh, maybe if Japanese companies get that kind of a uh, say dynamism mm-hmm. within the organization, Japanese companies would be much much stronger, and Japanese economy would be much much better. That's what I thought. And then I, I started thinking about, okay, to make that happen, what you need. That kind of, through that kind of process, I came up with the idea. And okay. interestingly, at that time, I did not care about uh, uh, market size or growth potential, that kind of thing. I just thinking about uh, uh, if this idea could be my uh, life work or not. Compared to 15 years ago, compared to 2000, there are a lot more networking events here in Japan where founders can meet each other, where large company businessmen can meet small company founders. Do you think it's similar to what what you saw in Silicon Valley, to what inspired you in Silicon Valley 15 years ago? Or does, does Japan still have to make a lot of improvements? Okay, so quick answer is uh, we need a more improvement. Okay. And uh, uh, some of that is we just need a more time, I mean, a more history to be like a Silicon Valley. So we need more time, but more, more time to do what? What, what's, what needs to be fixed? Okay, two, two things. One is a, uh, from the industry point of view, of course, you need a more serial entrepreneurs or okay. good venture capitalists who used to be a good entrepreneur or a venture capitalist who experienced a couple of uh, like hype and uh, so some ups and downs ups and downs you know which means that you know you need uh, 10 or 20 years at least of the experience to experience that kind of thing that is one thing and the other thing is education or thinking process so education of of uh, young entrepreneurs of new founders or, or, or if, if I may, uh, I'd like to go back to the elementary school to change entire education. Oh, now that's interesting. Mm-hmm. H- how would you change it? Uh, as you know, uh, the Japan, Japan's education system, if you can say it in a simplified way, is to memorize uh, the right. correct answer, which is 
written on a whiteboard, or、okay. which is written in a textbook. Yeah, it、so、it is very memorization, memorization, black and white, right、yeah. and wrong. And then, so the good student、uh, in Japanese means good student who is good at memorize the things、right. or to give you the answer. You are supposed to answer, rather than、uh, create new ideas or、uh, some interesting idea, which is not necessarily a good idea or excellent idea, but some interesting, a funny idea、uh, could stimulate the team to think about the new stuff. But that kind of a thing is not、uh, thought as a, a good studentship. Right. That's a big change, though. Yeah, that's <laughs> a, almost like a hundred. Uh, 180 okay. degree turn. 180 degree、yeah. turn, but、uh, but but you're working now with a lot of、uh, you're you're working now with new founders and new startups as right, well, aren't right, you? Right. Yes. That's part of what the the 10x is, isn't yes. it? Yes. Yes.、Uh, do you want to talk a bit about 10x? Because、yeah. I've heard really in- fascinating things about what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So 10x is a、uh, still uh, my uh, private company.、Uh, I no employee. I I'm doing everything just by myself. And what Tenix、uh, does is a、uh, one is one, one thing is angel investment, right? And、uh, the other thing is a, a kind of a consulting to the helping the startups or helping large corporations to do a new startups like a carbot ventures or so. So for the large corporations, do you mean helping them to invest in startups or to help them use to work with startups?、Uh, help them to use work. With startups, or、okay. to start a new project within not within their organization, that must be really challenging. Yeah, <laughs> that must be really challenging. But oh, yeah, that's a good point. So, say、uh, the president or top level management of those large corporations believes they have some good assets, people or knowledge or patent or technology something which should be good to be a new venture. Like a spin-out venture. Oh, okay. But somehow,、uh, culture prohibit the employee to do that kind of thing, and then those the, well, the, the classic innovators dilemma. Right, right. 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 So they can't spin out a little、mm. tiny business. Right. So, do you think large companies in Japan are are becoming more willing to work with startups? Yes. Mm-hmm. That's that's, that's definitely yes. That's a great thing. So, what do you think changed? Why why are these big Japanese companies suddenly willing to work with startups? Where ten、ah. years ago it was very different. Right, right. What what changed? Those large corporations cannot develop very good growth growth story or growth strategy by themselves. Do you think we're going to be seeing more、uh, M and A activity in Japan? Do you, do you think large companies will look to buying startups as a way to accelerate their growth? Yes, I think so. Traditionally, large Japanese companies haven't bought little startups. Right, right. But you think that's changing now? Yes, that's changing. I think you know, one of the reasons why, say, in ten years ago, fifteen years ago, large corporations were not willing to partner with startups or buying startups is,、uh, I think, an employment issue. Yeah, was、uh, Japanese people in the large Japanese companies tend to think about how to secure the job for your employee before thinking about innovation, before thinking about growth.、Okay. So buying some company, say、uh, with hundred employee, and people say, okay, instead of、uh, increasing、uh, employee number of employee by one hundred, you can use 
our guy and pick uh-huh. 100 employees and uh, do something like that venture. And that never works very that well. That never works. So, uh, I don't know it's uh, a fortunate thing or unfortunate thing, but uh, uh, for the large corporations today, they cannot afford to keep all of the employees. Okay. So, uh, you need to abandon people with uh, uh, low performance. So, Japanese companies in general are being more comfortable with firing staff when they're not needed? Uh, I, I, I should not say, I, I don't think that we should say more comfortable, but they have no choice. So, t- 15 years ago, still, it should be better to fire some people and uh, utilize uh, some resources outside of that company. But that time, still, they couldn't, couldn't make that kind of a big movement. But yeah. today, they have no choice. So they're, they're being forced into it. Right. Well, that makes sense. Change is good for startups. Right. Any kind of change. So. Any kind of change is good. One more thing I'd like to see, actually, is a better open market for the uh, talents. So the ability for people to change jobs more freely? Yes. Is the problem there's a shortage of talented people in Japan, or is the problem that people are unwilling to change jobs, or that companies are unwilling to hire from other companies? Ah, okay. It's more like a culture issue. Mm-hmm. But even today, for example, if executive vice president of Mitsubishi Corporation goes to the chairman of the startup company, right? like uh, Eric Schmidt went to the Google at right. that time, if that happens in Japan today, oh, that person uh, might make some mistake and it screwed up like... and then expelled by the organization. So oh. society would see it as a failure. Failure. Not as a new adventure. Yeah, right, still. Still that happens. That, that is uh, uh, many people's mentality. So that ended up with a low the movement of the talent. I see. So the, the, the biggest need for, for talent is more on the executive level, the people with uh, business experience, not so much the engineers and the, the younger crowd. Oh, that's a good point. So any engineer is another issue. But from the venture's point of view, entrepreneur's point of view, we need more mentors, very okay. good mentors. Like, uh, for, for example, uh, back to the Google case, I don't think uh, Larry Sergey could be successful without Eric Schmidt or John Doe, those kind of people. Right. Uh, but, for, for example, you know, Horiemon. Right. What, what if he has a very, very good mentor who can control well, I guess that goes back to what you were saying before. It really is just Japan needs more time. So America's been through three or four generations right. of uh, successful entrepreneurs right. who invested in the next generation. Right. And I think Japan, um, well, I guess people like you are really the first generation yes. to invest in the next one. Right, right, right. But still, you know, people in a large corporation, uh, we need, need those guys. Like... Uh, uh, again, back to the Google case. Right. I don't think when, when Eric Schmidt made a decision to join Google, of course he was not 100% sure if that company will be successful. But I think he was 200% sure that there is no career risk for him. Right. Even if, the, Even if he failed. If he failed, uh, people say, that, oh, oh, you had a very good, uh, you accumulated the experience. Right. Well, this brings up another point that it's um, a lot of people talk about that Japan, uh, the fear of failure 
mm-hmm. and the price of failure in Japan is very, very high.、Mm-hmm. Is that something you see changing now? A little bit.、Changing. Slowly? Slowly. At least everybody starts saying that we have to make a mistake instead of、uh, making no mistake, no challenge. But still, in the bottom of your heart, they don't you, really believe they, they, it. They don't, no, nobody wants to make a mistake. Yeah. It seems to me that if you talk to young graduates,、mm-hmm. engineers, they seem to be a little more with, okay with failure because、mm-hmm. they can recover. Right. But I think the people that you're talking about, the, the potential mentors, the successful、mm-hmm. businessmen,、mm-hmm. are still very afraid of looking like they fail.、Mm-hmm. But is, that, is there hope that we'll see that change in the future? Or do we have to wait for another generation? I think it's a change, but still we need to wait for that. Yeah? Another generation, yes. You, you still spend a lot of time in Silicon Valley, right? Yes, yes. Not, not very often, often these days, but、uh, yeah, of course,、okay. yes. Because a lot of our listeners are outside of Japan. Right, right. So, what do you think that foreigners most often misunderstand about Japanese startups? Talking about startups, actually, I don't know if they have any. Information or knowledge on the startups in Japan. Okay. Well, we're trying to fix that. <laughs> yeah, we're trying to fix that. So, for example,、uh, actually, it's about large、uh, startups like Lactan、yeah. or Gri or、uh, say DNA start buying some uh, uh, startups or、uh, ventures in the United、That's、States.、True. I don't think we can call Rakuten a startup anymore. If,、oh, you, yeah? if you own a baseball team, you can't be a startup. <laughs> okay. okay. Yeah, <laughs> I think、right. we can agree to that.、Mm-hmm. Yeah. Actually,、uh, DNA, DNA owns a baseball team too,、yes, don't they? Okay,、yes. so they're not、so、startups. Too. Yeah. <laughs> right. Again,、uh, I guess my answer was、uh, I did not have experience of American or foreign people having a misperception of、uh, entrepreneurs in Japan. It's before having a misperception. I mean,、uh, they don't know. So it's just complete lack of information. Lack of information. They don't know. They、anything. don't know enough to. Misunderstand. Right, right. Yeah, that's a, that's a point. <laughs> okay.、Mm-hmm. All right. You know, Japan shouldn't just copy Silicon Valley. That right, won't work because、right. it's unique, it's the culture's different. What do you think are some of the strengths and weaknesses of Japanese entrepreneurs? What are they good at? What are they weak at? I think, especially talking about the younger generation, like、yeah. uh, 20s, uh, they're much, much、uh, more flexible in、okay. thinking. Which is、uh, as good level as the people in the United States. You know, those guys are very innovative, as innovative as the people in the、uh, United States. But the Japanese guy could be better to make the good idea into some operations. So they, they need to work on execution? Yeah,、uh, better on execution, I think. Well, I guess that goes back to what you were saying before about the need for education and mentoring. Right, right. Because that's,、right. that's the way to fix it. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. And also, the, the weakness, another weakness is again the English. I'm, I'm not just talking about the language, but、uh, kind of a global mind, borderless mind, I mean. But I, I have to say that I've been very surprised, and a lot of people who come to Japan from America and Europe are surprised at how many. Japanese founders do speak English. Right. Especially after a couple of beers. Right. Yeah, that's the point. So uh, it's uh, part of the language issue, but it's more on the culture issue. Okay. So, because, you know, for example, I, in a, with the Realcom, 
I set it up at the Silicon Valley office in 2006 or something, and I brought three engineers from Japan to the Silicon Valley office. And one guy is a very talented engineer,、um, but you know, speaking not very good English.、Mm-hmm. And the other guy speaks, speaks very, very fluent English because he spent、uh, six or eight years when he was an、like, uh, elementary school student or、right. high school student. So he, he is almost like a, a native speaker. And the other last guy is kind of an adventurous guy and who cannot speak very good English, like as just an average level. And then what happens at the end of the day is that guy, adventurous guy, Was a, became most successful. Even Just because he was trying different things? Yeah, so actually,、uh, of course, he tried uh, uh, very hard to、uh, be a part of Silicon Valley, but、uh, attended that kind of parties or、uh, gathering event and trying to expand his、uh, friend network. Right. And then still,、uh, his English was not very good, but everybody tried to understand him. And instead, that kind of a,、uh, almost native speaker guy is too shy you know, to join the community. It's, it's funny you say that. I, I think, because my Japanese, even after 20 years, is、mm-hmm. still not fluent.、Mm-hmm. But I, I think you're right. The key is just getting in there and trying. And、right. People are very friendly and open if you're trying. Right, right, right. That's probably universal. Yes. In the States, Japan,、right. wherever. Well, actually, recently a lot of Japanese new companies are moving to San Francisco、mm-hmm. to get funding. What kind of companies do you think that's a good idea for? What kind of companies do you think it's a bad idea to move to Silicon Valley? Yeah, of course, we see many, many cases of Japanese startups going to expand their business into the United States.、Uh, but、uh, in most cases, I don't see the value for that,、mm. honestly speaking. We see many cases try to expand the operation globally,、uh, but I don't see、uh, many case, cases of changing their operation or changing their strategy to fit in a global market. I, I, I want to、like, talk a bit more about that. So, for Japanese companies who say, okay, now it's time to go global,、mm-hmm. what do they have to change? What, do they use, what mistakes do they usually make? In, a, in a ITs, not a, a automotives. Right. But、uh, in ITs, you should start designing of the company or product or business model, not in Japan, but in the United States. Really? Or English speaking countries. W- why is that?、Uh, I guess two things. One is a, a culture is a little bit different. So, Japan's culture is not so universal. So, it's、mm. better to adapt American i d e a into the other countries. That is one thing.、Oh. Uh, the other thing is maybe the same reason. Okay, back to the Realcom. We develop a software, enterprise software, and the requirement is very high. And also, I have uh, some uh, US large corporations as a customer. Right. Like uh, uh, Boeing, uh, PNG,、like okay. very large corporations.、Yeah. But they understand they are dealing with a new software. They understand. Those products have bugs. So the American customer is more forgiving than the Japanese customers? In a, in a sense, yes. Okay. In other words, those people, you know, US customers, can appreciate 
new technologies. They understand、oh, they have some problem, but,、uh, and of course that should be fixed, but simultaneously they see the value.、Uh, but Japanese large corporations tend to point out just about the problem. So that's why、uh, startups,、uh, we had a very hard time to uh, compete with, uh, prod- uh, compete with uh, large corporations like Fujitsu or NEC. So, would, would large customer, would your American customers give you、uh, better feedback about what could be improved and what they liked than、yes. your Japanese? Yes. Interesting. And t- try to nurture. Oh, okay. Nurture that company itself. Where the Japanese customers were trying to have a more standard vendor customer relationship. Right, right. So, like,、uh, for example, oh, you have to be as good as、uh, IBM in terms of、uh, quality assurance. Oh, I try to be. But,、uh, <laughs> It'll take us a while. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Something like that. All right.、Mm-hmm. That's really interesting.、Mm-hmm. So that's why I, th- I said maybe it's better, ad- it's advantageous. If you have a very good talent and if you have a, have a good, good idea, it's advantageous for you to be in the United States. Then let me ask you this because I know you, you're working with a lot of, of new founders.、Right. And What is the most important advice you can give to young Japanese who want to start a company now? In general, when you read a textbook for, say, startups or、uh-huh. uh, to get a funding, maybe it says what is the market potential or growth potential,、right. what is the competitive advantage, or that kind of thing. But that is not the essential question you have to answer. I think the essential question you have to answer is why you have to do this business? Why you? So, not what, but why? Why you? In other words, I think the successful entrepreneur, I mean, the successful venture business has a very convincing story. And it is almost as identical as the founder's personal history or belief. Or a dream. So even if some market, say social game,、right. is in a boom and still many places to have,、uh, get money, but if you are not believing in a game, you should never do that kind of、uh, business. So to do something you're passionate about, passionate that you have about. a reason to do. So, yeah. So try to find out、uh, why you are here, I mean,、uh, and how you use your life. For the benefit of、uh, other people. If you are successful for these two,、uh, getting a funding or getting a good employee or partner is much, much easier. That's my belief. That's great. Listen, this has been fantastic.、Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything you want to talk about?、Uh, yeah, again,、uh, for the Japanese entrepreneurs, I think first you have to go somewhere.、Uh, I don't, I'm not necessarily s a y Silicon Valley. If you are thinking about Asian, So, to, business, to get out of Japan? Yeah, go out of Japan. Why is that? Just a different way of thinking, a different perspective? Yes, to get a different perspective and actually to better understand Japan. Ah, okay. So, so you'll have a reference. Reference, and uh, sometimes uh, it's better for you to understand something, not from the inside, but from the outside. Well, and I guess that gets back to what you were saying your whole inspiration.、Mm-hmm. For, for your company and, and your vision of changing how Japanese corporations communicate and share knowledge、mm-hmm. came from your perspective looking from outside. Right, right, right. Back right. into Japanese、yes. society.、Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I think so. 
listen, thank you so much for sitting down with me. This yeah. has been fantastic. Yeah, same here. It was a pleasure. Thank you very Thanks much. Thanks a lot. Okay, we're back. Hey, if you want to see the links and the resources that we talked about during the interview, or if you want to get in touch with Tanimoto-san on social media, please check out the links section of the post. And as always, the complete text of the interview will be available in the first comment on the post. And you can access either of those at disruptingjapan.com slash show six. So please let us know what you think. If you want to get in touch with us or have ideas about how we can improve the show, please send me an email anytime you feel like it at feedback at disruptingjapan.com. And if you like what we're doing and you want to help us get the word out, please leave a review for us on iTunes. It's really the best way you can support the show. This is Tim Romero, and thanks for listening.